Good morning. So if we haven't had a chance to say hello yet, my name's Ben. I'm part of the leadership team here at International Harvest Church. It's great. Um, I'm excited to start this morning. We're starting a new series, a uh, new series on the Italian job, the Italian job, which is just super exciting. Um, often when we're trying to come up with a name for the series, we try and kind of hook into something that will help us remember what the series, what the message is about, the real kind of main direction that God's speaking to us um, in the series. But I kind of have to admit that with this one, it was just for fun. Um, it was, the Italian job was just for, for funsies, really, so you'll have to excuse me on that one. Um, but all will become clear in a moment. I'm just going to uh, talk a little bit longer, see if Adam's going to... I feel like I'm echoing, booming, would, I don't know. You sound good? Okay, you guys are too kind. Uh, so, so we're going to spend some time. We, maybe a couple of months ago, I shared something from the book of Acts, chapter 10. And it was just in our offering time. In the meeting, I, was, I just shared something from the life of a guy called Cornelius, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And this character really caught my attention, and I thought, wow, this is such a great experience that he had, uh, the experience that he had, the experience the apostle Peter had in that chapter, and really the, the experience that the whole church had in that time. I thought, oh, it's just such a great opportunity to come back to and, and draw more life from. So I'm super excited to be sharing something about um, Acts chapter 10 and the life of Cornelius. And we'll get into it in a second. You'll understand why it's called the Italian job. Um, but first of all, if you, if you have Italian ancestry or Italian DNA, will you just kind of, if you've got you know, Italian blood in your family tree, will you just give, give me a wave? I'm so glad there's a few folk here. There, one person here. Anyone else with some Italian um, ancestry? And, and if you just like pizza, will you give me a wave as well? Because... I feel like, I, I don't, we don't know all the details of the Doherty family tree, but I feel like there must, I mean, for goodness sake, there must be some Italian in there. Otherwise, my occasional cravings for pizza are just not to be explained by other natural means. Um, so, so actually, if, 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 would, you mind, would you mind coming and helping me with something? I just want to kind of tell, would you mind? That's wonderful, thank you. You can be, you can be Cornelia, okay, well, come up and, and join us here. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Helen, thank you, Helen. Okay, so Helen's going to be Cornelius or Cornelia, and, and so the story of Cornelius, I just want to kind of talk a little bit about it. We're going to come back over the next few weeks and read what the scripture says about his life, but just to kind of warm us up to the story of what happens, you've got Cornelius or Cornelia over here as one of the main um, actors in this story, one of the main players and participants, and the other character in this is a guy called Peter, so um, I'm not quite sure how to decide whether you should be Peter. Peter has a, a dream uh, in the middle of the day, noon actually in the book of Acts, we're told he falls asleep at, at lunchtime, so if you regularly fall asleep at lunchtime, I just want you to give me a wave, you can be qualified, okay, right, so we're going to come over here, Cecil, will you come and you can be the apostle Peter for me? Um, and and uh, now that you're married, um, your wife's going to have to keep an eye on that habit of yours. So, uh, uh, you know, it's just a blessing to be married and, and wives help us stay awake, even at noon in the middle of the day. So um, the book of Acts starts where, where Cornelius, we learn a little bit about his life, but we also learn that as he's um, in prayer one day, an angel of the Lord comes and appears before him. Will you give me a wave if you want to be an angel of the Lord? <laughs> oh, maybe... You come be an angel because you'll get to come be an angel with me. That'll be amazing. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Gloria. Gloria. Oh, Mrs. Gloria. Okay, yes, of course. Sorry, I should. No, okay. Ah, oh, this is. It's like this. This must be the Lord's providence because in a moment we're going to reunite the angel or, or the angelic uh, lady with her uh, less angelic husband. But you're lovely anyway. So, 
Um, so, Gloria, will you come and will you appear to Cornelius over here? Just, you know, appear to him. Yeah, <laughs> precisely like that, because the scripture does tell us that, uh, that he distinctly saw an e- angel, but the angel felt the need to say, don't be afraid. So it probably was a bit of a dramatic kind of introduction. And, uh, and so the angel says, hey, I-, I want you to send and get this guy, Simon Peter, who's staying at, at another town down the, sea, uh, down the coast, uh, a town called Joppa. And so Cornelius goes, okay, that sounds like a brilliant idea, because when the angel tells you to do something, you, just, you would say yes. Um, so thank you, you can go, and you, you're going to appear to, to your husband, uh, slash Peter, in a second. Um, but you're going to send people to go down the road. And so Cornelius sends people down to where Peter's staying, and they arrive there the next day at about noon, which is when, as you can see, our actor here is um, fast asleep. Uh, but, but he has a vision, so it's okay. So if you're ever falling asleep in the middle of the day, just say, no, 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 I, I was having a vision. From the Lord, just want to help you with that one there. Yeah, okay. And then the angel, well, actually, it's a, it's a vision of a sheet that comes down and a, and a voice says, you know, speaks to him about preaching the gospel, sharing the good news about who God is with people that he would never have thought to share that with otherwise. And so Peter goes, okay, right, well, I'm going to do that. I tell you what, Cornelius, would you mind heading back to, to home? Because actually, it was a delegation from Cornelius's um, family home. So Cornelius sends these people and they take Peter back across. He's woken up now, which is brilliant because very helpful if you're awake when you go to preach the gospel, um, I'm told. And, uh, and so he appears and he preaches to, Peter, uh, to Cornelius. But what, what we also learn is that while the guys were traveling, this, this is a great, these guys are excellent. It's not a setup at all, but I'm hugely grateful. No, no, I know that you'd hardly know that we hadn't practiced, would you? Um, so here they are. Um, but the best part is that Cornelia, or Cornelius has worked really hard and has gathered a whole load of people in... We're going to try, thank you, Sarah, that was excellent. But we're going to try it again with the rest of you. Follow Sarah's lead. We're going to, a whole load of people. Excellent, okay, great. And uh, as Peter starts to share the message, he hardly gets through, yeah, that's right, you tell him. He hardly gets through his script when, uh, when the Holy Spirit breaks out in that house where they were. And everybody starts like whooping and hollering and cheering and praying in new tongues and languages and saying things like, you know, hallelujah and all the sort of good thing that you would say. Oh, come on. Yeah, you're really excited because it's amazing. This is the first time that the Holy Spirit breaks out in a church of people that weren't um, Jewish by ethnicity in a really miraculous way. And so it's like God's way of displaying that he's bringing in all the nations of the earth. And, and today that's, that's us lot here this morning. It's a great privilege. So thank you. You guys have been excellent. That's just a, a sort of a potted history of Acts chapter 10. Um, I, I promise over the next few weeks, we will read it from the Bible together, and you can find out how much of that I just totally made up. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's all in there somewhere. Um, but this morning, I want to focus in just on the first couple of, of verses of, of Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through to 7. Just really that introductory section. It's up here on, on the screen, so you can see I de- definitely didn't make up um, this bit. Let me read this to you. So, at Caesarea, uh, this coastal town, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, a Roman soldier, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout, God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, and he distinctly saw an angel who came to him and said, Cornelius. 
Cornelius stared at the angel in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone... Cornelius called two of his servants and one of the devout soldiers who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the life of Cornelius. We thank you for all you did in his life and his experience. We thank you for how you spoke to Simon Peter in that time. We thank you for all you did uh, with the start of the church in that time as well. God, we thank you. That's such a powerful example to our lives. And we pray that over these next few weeks with this series, you'll, you'll speak to us. Holy Spirit, we pray you'll speak to us. Bring this passage, bring this experience to life for us and change us. Change who we are. Change how we think. Change how we see the world around us. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the first things I noticed about Cornelius uh, was that he was an unlikely candidate. He was an unlikely candidate for this episode, for the things that God would do through him. The name Cornelius, it's probably more like a family name or a surname than, than his first name. And uh, the, the Cornelia uh, tribe or clan or family was one of the oldest tribes, one of the oldest families in Rome, in the Roman Empire. Uh, to give you some, some sense of that, the, the highest political office that you could rise to in, in that time approximately one-third of the men who had held that office came from the family, the Cornelia family. So they were of that kind of uh, ancestry. And really, this guy was of a very kind of, probably wealthy background, probably kind of uh, had lands or a farm or some kind of arist- aristocratic upbringing, um, perhaps. He was well-to-do. Uh, he was posh. And, uh, and that was the man that we were dealing with here. We kind of just read a, a glimpse of that in, in his name. But for somebody like that to sign up and serve in the Roman army at that time, he had two things on his mind, fame and fortune. That was what he was out for. That was the typical reason that a man like that would sign up to serve in the Roman army, because his expectation was he would be able to find a way to make money from empire, such that he could retire to his family farm or his lands in Rome and kind of have this comfortable retirement with a pot of gold that he'd won for himself uh, from, the, from the lands where he traveled and served in the army. And the other thing that we see is that he was part of the Italian regiment, the Italian regiment, which is, of course, where we uh, drew the name for our series from. He was in the Italian regiment. And the, the way the Roman army operated in that time was when they conquered a territory, they took over an area of land, they would conscript, they would force local people to join up into the army to kind of bolster and support the number of troops that they had. But to make sure that they didn't have a risk of mutiny on their hands from giving all these local folk swords and shields and spears and so on from arming the, the locals, um, they would mix in amongst them. They would have in a, in a garrison town like Caesarea, they would have some uh, regiments that would be made up of local conscripts forced in, but they would usually have one regiment that was made up of Roman or Italian individuals who could be relied on not to turn into a rebellion against Rome if things started to get a bit messy with the local people. 
And so there he is. So he's a wealthy background. He's well-to-do. He's come to serve in the army. He's there to seek his fame and his fortune. He's hungry for wealth. He's hungry for success. He's ruthless. He's ready. He's prepared to put down any sign of rebellion from among the local people. And yet this is the candidate that God chooses to speak to. I don't know if you have this moment sometimes when you read something in the Bible and you're like, God, really? Really? You're going to use this unlikely candidate? Can you imagine if, if you were uh, Cornelius' girlfriend and you were going to take this guy home to meet your family? You know, and you're like, oh, come and meet Cornelius, a lovely fellow, signed up because he was sort of hungry for gold and glory. But, you know, he's got... Imagine if you were sort of put in a room with him at university. This is your, um, uh, this is your roommate in your first term at university. Your parents come up to visit and you're like, oh, hey, mum, dad, meet Cornelius, my roommate. Do not call him corny. Makes him very angry. Don't want to tell you what happened in Freshers' Week. Uh, but no, mum, meet, meet Cornelius, my roommate. Uh, lo- lovely guy. No, no mum, dad, I know. I know he looks like a, a cold-blooded killer. But, but underneath, mum, un- underneath, he's a cold-blooded killer. So just be really kind to him because I've got to live with him. He had the wrong background. He had the wrong motivation. He had the wrong profession as a soldier. And yet, can you imagine that God chose this guy as the unlikely candidate for what he wanted to do in that time? Can you imagine that whatever your background, whatever your upbringing, whatever your experience so far in life, can you imagine that God might want you to be the unlikely candidate for his purpose in this time. Because the pages of history are peppered with unlikely candidates from wrong backgrounds and wrong experiences who made it anyway. You know, in 1976, Sylvester Stallone uh, wrote the script for Rocky, his first film. I came across, I I honestly don't know how I came across this story. Sometimes I go hunting for stories because I think they'll be fun to share. This one, I have no idea how I came across this one. But in 1976, um, Stallone wrote the script for Rocky in in three days. He stayed up most of the night, powered by coffee, uh, with his dog by his side. And... uh, and, and at that time in his life, he was so poor that not long after he'd written the script, he had to sell the dog. He had to sell the dog for $50, partly because he couldn't afford to keep the dog um, to feed it, and partly because he just needed the cash. That's kind of where he was in, in his life and in his experience at that time. But he had this script, and so he, he was trying it with different studios and um, producers and saying, I've got this script. And um, you know, a few of them were interested in the script. The problem was they were not interested in Sylvester Stallone. And he, his condition was he would only sell them the script if they would let him play the role of Rocky in the film. And he was a complete unknown at the time. Of course, everybody knows who Sylvester Stallone is today. But at that time, no one had heard of this guy. So it was a major risk for a movie studio to say, OK, well, we're going to take this script from an unknown writer and we're going to let this unknown actor play the leading role in this production is crazy. The other thing I found out this week as I was looking at this story is, um, you, you might know this, you might not, Sylvester Stallone, um, during, during birth, his mother had some complications in, in labor. And so actually part of his um, cheek, his lip, and his mouth, he's got some kind of um, very minor paralysis 
And so sometimes when he slurs his word, and he has that very, uh, that very famous way of talking with a slight slur in his speech, it's because he's slightly paralyzed down one side of his face. That's not exactly a quality that you would look for in a leading actor. And yet he turned up to these studios and he said, well, if you want the script, then you need to take me. And so he got into negotiations with one studio and they started increasing uh, the, the value they would pay for the script with the condition that he didn't star in it. And it got up to $360,000 to a man who'd sold his dog for 50 bucks because he couldn't afford to pay, you know, to feed the thing. And, uh, and his wife at that time was like, you've got to take this. And he said, no, I, I can't do it. So further negotiations with the studio. They said, okay, fine, you know, we give in, we'll take a risk. We're going to let you, the unlikely candidate, act and, and be part of the production team for this movie. You know, Rocky One went on to be nominated for nine Oscars. It won three Oscars in, its fir- in that first year. Um, the Rocky franchise has run for 30, 39 years. The Rocky franchise has been going and has taken $1.4 billion in box office takings. I don't even know how many people over the years have been inspired to run up those steps outside the Philadelphia Museum. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. And if you've never done that when you've run to the top of your own stairs, yeah, that's right. Everybody's done that. Of course you wait till there's no one else in the house. That's okay. We've all been there. Huge success from an unlikely candidate. Maybe you recognize this other guy as well. One moment. There you go. Who recognizes this guy? Oh, we've got Abraham Lincoln. Thank you. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln. What about this other guy? distinguished-looking fellow. Anyone know who that is? It's Edward Everett, who we've never heard of. I've never heard of him until I came across this story. You see, Edward Everett was billed as the main speaker at the Gettysburg Address. Gettysburg, where there was a a, a great battle between the North and the South, and uh, Abraham Lincoln gave one of the most famous speeches of his life. A speech that uh, went down in the history books that's memorized by American students that's recited every 4th of July, four score and seven years ago. If you've ever watched any American film, you'll probably know that speech. Hugely famous speech, but did you know that Abraham Lincoln was number two on the agenda? Edward Everett was the renowned orator, the speechmaker, the public speaker of his day. Everyone was expecting that to be the speech that they would write home about. And yet Abraham Lincoln stood up. His speech was 272 words, probably lasted no more than three minutes compared to two hours of whatever Everett had to share. And by the way, I'd just like to say, I subscribe to the school of um, oratorical style of Abraham Lincoln. So I do try to keep things brief when I possibly can. But if you do want to have a two-hour sermon, we can sign up for the Edward Everett way of doing things. 272 words, three minutes of speech, and yet remembered, remembered, remembered through the generations by an unlikely candidate who, who signed the Declaration of Emancipation that brought an end to slavery in the United States, who started the American national banking system and the mighty dollar, as we know it today, a unified country, uh, currency for the United States, and a guy who laid the groundwork for reconciliation between the warring parties of the North and the South. Abraham Lincoln was a very unlikely candidate and yet used by God mightily in his generation. 
I read another story a few months ago, and I'm desperate to read it to you, and I'm going to read it from my notes because it's such a powerful test me. I want to get it right from this article uh, that, that I read. Uh, it was about a pair of native missionaries in Africa called Ahmed and Mikella. I think I'm saying those names right, Ahmed and Mikella. And they were nervously traveling on a bumpy road through dangerous bandit territory to meet with a guy called Wasim, the leader of an, of an outpost from their mission. The only thing is, Ahmed's car broke down, so they ended up staying with their fellow worker slightly longer than they had planned. And so he took them on a visit to one of the Bible study groups that he had started. The only thing was, much to the surprise of Ahmed and Michaela, the, the Bible study group was, all, was made up entirely of the bandits. So they traveled with this guy and entered into this hut where they saw this group of around 30 men sitting there with um, guns and uh, ammunition belts slung around their shoulders. And as they entered the hut, the leader of this band of freedom fighters opened his Bible and started reading. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He read on the rest of that scripture. What did Jesus say here? Tell me in your own words. And for the next hour, the 30 men discussed the words of Jesus, considering his commands that were so radically opposed to their own traditions, wrestling with the conviction they must begin to obey them. Many of the men wept openly over their sinful condition. Many of the rebels had already given their lives to Christ, and the group had been slowly diminishing as one by one new believers returned to their homes to share the word of God with their families. The leader remained for the sake of those who had not yet changed. He was working to obey God's commands and urging his men to continue following him only now into eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know, the leader of a a gang of bandits is a very unlikely candidate for missionary work. And yet God chooses and uses unlikely candidates. You know, this is a message for anybody who feels overwhelmed and underqualified for the position they find themselves in in life. I don't know what situation you're in in life at the moment. I don't know what pressures are on you or what you're stretching yourself into. I don't know what God's called you to in this season. If you've ever been asked to take on a role where you're like, ah, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm the the right person for this. I don't know if I've got the right background for this. I don't know if I've got the right qualifications for this. Great. You're in good company. You know, maybe you've had a moment of feeling like, God, you've asked me to to do this thing, but this is kind of like a, a round peg situation. And I'm more like a sort of a square, square peg kind of a guy. God, you, you must have the wrong person for this job. I think most first-time parents feel like this. Uh, I, I don't know whether, uh, if, if you remember the first time when you, know, when you became a parent, and uh, there's that moment where, where the midwife leaves. And you, in your heart, you're like, no, don't you realize? You know, you're kind of trying to stay cool for the sake of your wife and other people around you. But you're like, don't you know I am not qualified for this job? I do not have the, I don't have the necessary qualifications to do this thing you're asking me to do. Most parents feel like that at some point or another. You are in good company with Cornelius and with the rest of us. 
you know, if you want to meet an unlikely candidate this morning, just say hello to somebody new in the coffee queue. You know, I love being part of a church of unlikely candidates. I love the fact that we have people here from different backgrounds, different experiences, different opportunities in life, all kinds of different folk, people from, you know, who the first person in generations of atheists or, or generations of Buddhists to become a Christian. And suddenly you see through them the goodness of God starts to change different parts of their family life. You know, people who never thought they'd end up studying in Newcastle and yet brought to Newcastle by the purpose of God. People who tried to leave Newcastle <laughs> and yet drawn back to serve God in his purpose in this time. People who've made mistakes in their life. People who know you know, we've fallen short. We, God should never, God could never forgive someone like me, surely. People who know that we've fallen short. And, and yet, I'm convinced that God can see those things and forgive those things. You know, I was thinking, this theme of unlikely candidates. You know, Jesus was a completely unlikely candidate for the work of God. Completely unlikely candidate. You know, if you were God looking down from heaven and saying, where am I going to send somebody to be the savior of the human race? You would never have chosen someone from a backwater village in occupied territory where the circumstances surrounding his birth had the people in the village asking questions where it just didn't look like on the surface this was the kind of savior that humans needed. And yet, when Jesus spoke, people heard the truth. When he prayed for the sick, they were healed. And when he died on the cross, he reconciled broken men and women like you and me to, to a relationship with God in heaven. He was a complete... And if you've ever had a moment of feeling like, God, I, I feel like I'm a completely unlikely candidate to be a Christian. God, you could, could, could God forgive someone like me? Could God... God, you don't know the, 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 the things I've done the places I've gone and the person I've become. God, could you really forgive a person like me? You know, that's when I look at the life of Jesus. I look at the fact that he was an unlikely candidate on an unjust cross so that we can be unquestionably certain that it doesn't rest on us. It rests on him. It rests on what he did to set us free from the past, from the background, from our lack of you know, qualifications, from our lack of doing the right thing or being the right kind of person. It's not about us. It's about him. And so this morning, if you feel like you're that unlikely candidate, you know, there's an opportunity in a moment to respond to God. Say, God, I, I, today I just choose to recognize it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about who he was about what he did. We're going to have an opportunity to respond in a moment. But I just want to say something else for the, for the rest of us. If you ever feel downcast and discouraged, if you ever feel you know, bothered and brokenhearted, I've got to tell you, when I read my Bible, I don't read my Bible because I'm spiritual. I read my Bible because I'm encouraged by how messed up everybody is in there. I'm encouraged to see that God used anybody and everybody who was willing. You know, I don't read my Bible because I'm good. I read my Bible because I'm terrible. And I need to see, oh, God used normal folk just like us. 
You know, the, the pages of your Bible are full of messed up people, selfish people, spoiled people, powerless people, worried people that God used anyway. Powerful. You see, the thing is, when you read the Scripture, you read these people, you sit alongside their lives, you see them, and you, know, they, you read their experience. They'll empathize with you. They'll sympathize with you. They'll agonize with you. But sooner or later, they'll tell you to grit your teeth and just get on with what God's called you to do. So I want to pray for us this morning that we could rise up and be those unlikely candidates to make an impact in this generation. And uh, to help us with that, I'm going to ask the guys to put on a prayer that I wrote out earlier. Uh, And if you can receive this with faith, why don't you stand with me? And, uh, and if you feel like an unlikely candidate this morning, I just want you to give me a wave. Let me know that you can receive this message. And we're going to pray. I'm going to read it first, and then maybe if you, can, if you can receive this, you can read with me. So I'm going to read it. Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing the potential in me. Even if there's times when I don't see it in myself, Help me keep trusting in you today and every day. Amen. If you can receive this word, I want you to read that with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing the potential in me, even if there's times when I don't see it in myself. Help me keep trusting in you today and every day. Amen. Amen. And just in this moment, as we're praying, I feel like there's an opportunity for someone who believes they're an unlikely candidate to follow Jesus. Someone who thought, I, God, someone who's been saying, God, I, don't, I believe this might be real. I believe, God, you might be real. God, I believe that you might be speaking to me here. But God, I don't believe you could accept someone like me. God, I don't know if you could take somebody like me into your family. There's an opportunity for, for that person today. And just as everybody's praying, just as every head's bowed and everybody's got their eyes closed, if you feel like today's the day where you know that you're unqualified but you're called anyway, I want you to raise your hand with me. Just recognize before God that he's speaking to your heart, he's speaking to your life, speaking to you this morning. God bless you. Great to see. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person responding to you today. I thank you for every person responding to your call and your heart this morning. I thank you. You're drawing them in to know you, to be changed by you into somebody with great purpose in this city. Praise God. feel that's you this morning there's some people responding but I, I believe there's more actually in this room I believe there's more people who know God's speaking to their heart this morning about following him not because of how good you've been no 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 we're not good Jesus is good it's because of how good he is don't want you to miss this opportunity to respond thank you